Hi everyone, Matt Lamarche here with Selling Sandy Springs and Keller Williams First Atlanta. Hope you guys are doing well. Happy Monday, Zach. Happy Monday back we're to back. you. Yeah. We're back for episode two here of uh, this little mini series we're doing on uh, the mortgage process, if you will. And um, so I'm excited to have you back on. We're going to basically cover everything after the pre-approval, but before closing. So I've uh, I've come to Zach. I've gotten my pre-approval. I'm ready to go. I know what my budget is. I know what I can afford, and I know the types of homes that I want to start looking at. Basically, we're, we're going to pick it up there and then go all the way to the day of closing and what I need to look out for, what I need to be weary of, um, but also on the real estate agent side of things, what I need to be looking for and other costs to kind of consider in the uh, in the transaction. So Zach got me pre-approved. I'm going to buy a half a million dollar house. And what's next? Uh, so Matt, great question. Uh, typically what I'll do then, hey, got documentation, we reviewed everything, budgets of half a million dollar home, here's your monthly payment, etc. I'm going to turn around and call Matt and say, hey, all right, Matt, they're ready to rock and roll. Mr. and Mrs. Smith, they're ready to rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Um, here's their budget. You know, they have a, you know, it's tight. I'm going to say, this is as high as they can go. Or, hey, they get a little buffer if they need it, mm-hmm. just let me know. Um, from there, that's really where I kind of throw the ball back to you, and you kind of run with it. I mean, this is this is typically where we get to the fun part of the process. Sure. And that's looking for the dream home. Right. So, I mean, yeah, that's because I'm going to sit there. I'm pretty much on hold, just sitting on the sidelines. I'm happy to run numbers. Um, you know, just happy to run numbers make sure that it fits what they need. Sure. So once we start looking then, I, I know I've got a client then that's in my car that we're out driving around looking at homes now. I feel more confident about their ability to afford whatever we may or may not be looking at yet. But also, they're given a sense of direction now mm-hmm. as well because they understand what an outside kind of unbiased party thinks about their financial situation as it relates to their mortgage and, and eventually their home. So we're out looking at homes. We eventually find something, whether that takes uh, a day or 110 days sometimes, and depending <laughs> yeah. on the market, that's kind of how it can go. But let's say tomorrow they find a house, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, and um, they say, Matt, we're ready to write an offer. We write the offer. We're basically under contract now, um, and and the seller's agent has received it and agrees to it. We're binding, right? Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, what's next for you on the mortgage side, and what's next for the clients as well? Yeah, so on our side, what I'm going to do is I'll probably call you and say, Matt, hey, do you know what the is there an HOA? Hmm. Um, do you know what the property taxes were last year? If if you you know typically they'll put them in the listing reports. Sure. If not, I can find them with the county tax assessors. Um, also going to kind of start shopping some, some homeowners insurance, mm-hmm. uh, cause these things kind of go into, go into closing costs as well for the buyer. Um, also kind of, you know, even maybe even before we're binding, it's, you know, working with you so that way we can work on seller contributions or something. Mm. Um, so that's, you know, around this ballpark, I guess around this time, that's when we're going to try to get a ballpark of what the closing costs, what your taxes, what your insurance, you're going to get an idea. Sure. Um, once we go binding. You toss the ball back to me, and I, this is where we run with it. This is where the magic kind of starts as far as uh, what we do on our side. Um, so I'm going to call the call the buyer. Hey, just want to confirm, here's the sales price I got on the contract. Let's listen to the down payment we were talking about. Where's where's down payments go from here? Okay, cool. Um, here's what I'm estimating for all your closing costs, your total due at closing. Uh, and my goal my goal is to be conservative. Sure. <laughs> is, 
There's nothing. No surprises. No surprises. Yeah, you want only good surprises. From right Absolutely. Exactly. So uh, you know, I want to be at the closing table in the in the, in the buyers. You know, Mr. And Mrs. Smith high fiving me. You want to name their first kid after me, whatever, uh, and not strangling me or you know stabbing me with the pins. So uh, that's 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 my goal. Um, but I'm really from there. Once I get it back, once I get the contract, is we kind of put the ball in play. Um, I'm going to set up the, the the loan for disclosures. Um, that's the initial disclosures, and it is way more information than you'll ever want to know about your loan. Uh, but we are legally, um, you know, we have to, we're legally required to do that with TRID, federal regulations. Um, so we'll send that out to you. The great thing about where we are now versus when I started, though, back when I started, you had to print out. I mean, man, I'm not even kidding. You've seen them. You've probably seen them. Mm. It's, you know, 60 to 70 pages worth of just documentation. You mm-hmm. have to sign everything. <laughs> I mean, it's disclosing this, disclosing that. You know, even stuff you're like, well, I'm, you know, it's, you even ask, hey, if you're in a flood zone, you're required to get flood insurance. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not going to be in a flood zone. Well, that's cool. We still have to tell you that. Right. <laughs> so you're signing saying that we told you, you know, it's not you acknowledging or agreeing to it. It's just saying, hey, I, I saw this. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, so we're going to get that going. Once, once we get the disclosure signed, um, part of those disclosures, we're asking for permission to request information on your behalf. We're going to confirm employment with the employer. We're going to you know, be able to speak with the insurance agent. Um, you know, we're just we're also going to order the appraisal on your behalf. We do need payment uh, from the buyer before closing. There's only two things that usually on my side, that you know, on the mortgage side, that we'll ask for um, earnest money. I guess we really don't ask for earnest money, but if you write earnest money, we would like a copy of the check because mm-hmm. we want to give you credit for that earnest money towards your closing costs, Absolutely. towards the total due at closing. Absolutely. And generally that's going to be 1% or 2%. It's really set by the sellers. Um, ultimately, it's it's basically like your deposit or your goodwill that you're going to move forward with this transaction. But the reason you need it is so that at the end of the day, when a settlement statement at closing comes down, everyone understands where the money has come from, yep. where it went. Um, no one feels slighted or shorted that everything is just a very open and honest, uh, you know, the settlement statements are very, it's almost like a debits and credits of who and where the money has gone. That's the best way to put it. Honestly, Uh, that's, that's a good way to put it. So kind of taking a step back to, you mentioned insurance, you mentioned, uh, homeowner's insurance, you mentioned uh, home warranties and stuff. So, uh, you know, when you guys are thinking about purchasing a home, there's obviously a lot of other costs associated with let's say you're renting right now right now you rent an apartment for $1,250 a month you know all the maintenance is covered all the potential issues that could come up are covered Um, so when you're looking at possibly getting into a mortgage you may or may not be able to afford a mortgage that's $1,250 or more you just don't know until you ask but at the same time there's a lot of other things to consider obviously when it's your home and when it's your responsibility and you can't just pick up the phone and call someone (laughs) maintenance to come fix yeah. it. Oh, yeah. So uh, one of the things that I always recommend and, and I have both on our personal property, but our, our rental property is a home warranty. Um, it's saved us thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars just over the last eight years. You know, both of our homes are older and used at this point. <laughs> so, and things go wrong, you know, I mean, I consider myself pretty handy, but when it comes to fixing a refrigerator, I didn't go to school for that. No. <laughs> and it might as the, the, the instructions and, and videos on YouTube might as well be in Swahili because I don't, I don't understand how to fix any of that stuff. So to me, a home warranty, it is negotiable, but it's definitely one of those things that if you're not Mr. Fix-It, if you're not handy or Mr. DIY at all, it's definitely something to consider. As you mentioned earlier, also HOA dues. 
Some of those can be a couple hundred dollars uh, a year, up to a couple thousand, depending on your townhome or condo or what, what all's in the maintenance. Um, a lot of you guys know I was the president of our HOA, and you know for $550, you could get our swim, tennis, uh, a playground, all the social activities and stuff going on, which for this area, I'm just telling you, Zach, is really low. There, most of them are like 1000 <laughs> seven fifty. So, But if you live in a condo building or a townhome building, there's going to be exterior maintenance and yep. roofs replaced and stuff. And that's definitely something to consider in the transaction. But also thinking about resale because a lot of people are okay putting that money in a pot and a lot of them are not. So just so you understand as a buyer and also ultimately, eventually, you probably are going to sell that house. and. Mm-hmm. To someone else, a potential buyer is going to look at it, and uh, it could be a positive or negative thing for them. Um, the only other thing I can think of, like you said, you mentioned earnest money, um, homeowners insurance, a home warranty, um, the appraisal, the inspection. Mm-hmm. You know, those those are really the only kind of other costs that you'll have between the pre-approval and the actual closing. Yeah. So. Uh, is there anything on the mortgage side that they need to consider or think about? Let's say I'm a first-time home buyer. I've never bought a home. I'm in an apartment somewhere, but I've been pre-approved. Matt found the house for me. We're moving forward. Is there anything that I absolutely need to do or absolutely do not need to do in terms of like, am I cool to go buy a car now? <laughs> like, I just got a big promotion at work. I want to celebrate a little bit. Or what What can I do or what would you advise your, your clients to do or not to do during that time? That's a great question. And I'm laughing because <clears throat> Matt just threw me a big old softball. <laughs> so my eyes are getting big. So absolutely do not, I repeat, do not go buy a car. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, so it's, yeah, anything I tell clients all the time, whatever you've been doing to get to this point, Keep doing. Typically, that isn't opening up a bunch of new credit cards. It's not running up your credit cards. It's not quitting your job. It's not spending all your money, you know, et cetera. Um, if you open up any new trade lines, it's on your credit report. We got to figure out what's going on there. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go buy a new car, all of a sudden you're adding more debt to your debt to income ratio. You might not qualify anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, now, granted, there are cases where, you know, life happens. Sure. Um, I had a closing last month where young lady she actually bought a car um because she had she totaled her car oh so you're sitting here like ooh. so the first thing i'm saying is all right your monthly payment was this amount if you can keep it in that ballpark we can make it work yeah Yeah. now there's some other items we needed you know we need a copy of her gap insurance policy we need something to show that the first lien was paid out there's there's a lot we we can get into that another time um, but you're really just trying to make sure that she's on the up and up, that exactly. she actually did total the car. Yeah. She didn't just go like buy it for her friend, which Absolutely. I've never bought any cars for my friends, no. but if you want to be my friend <laughs> yeah. and you're buying cars for your friends, I'm happy to that's be not, that friend. A, I need one of those friends. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but no, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, it's, you just don't want to be extending yourself beyond, you know, what you can do, what you can afford and stuff. And so uh, obviously I knew that was a softball, right? But at yeah. the same point, like, what about furniture? Like, people any sort of debt? Stuff, yeah. Okay. okay. People don't think about it. And, like, furniture, yeah. If you go to rooms to go, like, oh, this couch would look great in my mm. new place. Honey, it ain't your new place yet, okay? <laughs> we got to get to closing. We got to close. We got to close. So, <laughs> it ain't your place first. It's, it's Seriously, just think of it. It's not my place until the seller hands me the keys. That's right. Until I get the keys, it's not mine. So until it's mine, I'm not going to go buy a new couch. I'm not going to buy new furniture. Just I wouldn't dishwasher, you know, laundry, laundry machine. I just washer dryer. 
don't do it. Mm. You will save yourself a um, a lot of heartache. Mm-hmm. You'll save um, you'll save Matt, uh, you know, a headache, and you'll save me a, a, probably a coronary. So because <laughs> we what we do is once you go under contract, we actually have a monitoring service kind of attached to your credit score, your your credit reports. Mm-hmm. So if you go to rooms to go. Um, and I mean, I've even had people say, Hey, don't run my credit until next Friday. Cause I close on Thursday and they've gone to, you know, rooms to go or get a car or something the weekend before we close, mm-hmm. we get notified as soon as your credit's pulled. Hmm. And so my process is going to say to me, or the underwriter is going to say, Hey, we noticed that, um, rooms to go or, you know, BMW pulled their credit <laughs> over the weekend. What's up with that? <laughs> then I'm going to have to call you and I'm going to say, Hey, listen, Mr. Mrs. Smith. <laughs> Did y'all happen to go car shopping this weekend? And and it's, you know, I mean, people get upset with me. It's like, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. Hey, this, you know, this is, I try to tell everybody. I tell everybody, if you're looking to buy a home, do not buy anything new unless you absolutely have to. Like, it's, Mm -hmm. you just don't have a choice. Yeah. Um, Because that's, I mean, it can change the game. And then before you know it, you're back to square one. Yeah. And and when you talk about spending money, we're talking about taking on more debt, right? Exactly. If if I had cash to go buy a car or sell a car and buy another one, I'm okay to do that. It's really just, you're you're really only thinking about debt to income ratios, right? Exactly. So taking out more debt. So, and that's right. If you got cash, don't worry. Cash is king. You can go do whatever you want with that. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you want to go blow out of Vegas, buy new cars, (laughs) whatever, that's fine. Um, Yeah, but as far as... we're, what we're really looking at is new trade lines. If your credit's being, or your, excuse me, your social's being used to open up a new line of credit, mm-hmm. that's what I'm worried about. Gotcha. Um, so that's, yeah, but if you got cash or whatever, and you know, credit cards, some people worry about running up credit cards. Hmm. If you, as long as you keep doing what you're doing, like we understand, like, you know, stuff happens. Emergencies sure. happen. Sometimes sure. you need to spend a thousand bucks that you normally hadn't been, like, that's not a problem. But right. if all of a sudden you just take off spending, I mean, we're going to get notified, hey, there's something, something's not right here. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, I just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Very good. As far as, um, cause obviously credit cards are, are just part of our lexicon. I mean, it's part of our culture here in, in our consumer based economy. So how do you guys, or, or do you have any anecdotal type things you can share with us about how, how you guys look at credit cards? Is that certainly that's part of the equation, I've got to believe it's a smaller part because obviously not a lot of people are really using up to 100%. Oh, really? That. Credit cards actually are probably the strongest um, indicators of credit. Okay. So when we're scoring credit now, they changed how we were like how we were scoring credit scores um, about two years ago. Hmm. Um, and as long as you weren't making missing any payments, I mean, you could have a maxed out card and mm-hmm. still have a 740 credit score. Oh, wow. Yeah, you just, just making the minimum payment. Oh, he's not missing payments. Hmm. Um, but yeah, surprisingly enough, people think, you know, the installment loans, which is, you know, something that you know is going to end, yep. you know, mortgage, uh, car loan, student loan, which I guess you kind of can take student loans out of there because <laughs> no one really knows what's going on with those right now. Um, but those those installment loans don't actually help your credit score as much as credit cards. Hmm. Um, so, I, so I will tell you, the best, um, as far as the best credit scores I've ever seen, they don't have a whole whirlwind of trade lines. They probably have two or three credit cards. Um, an auto loan here and there, nothing crazy, and they just pay off their credit card at the end of every month, and they don't miss a payment. Gotcha. And so that's why I tell everybody. I mean, seriously, I got up and shook this guy's hand. Is he had an 850 credit score? Just whoa! Wow. Don't see these too often. <laughs> um, honestly, I think the biggest thing with credit cards is 
you know, they, I know you can carry over balances, and people, some say, oh, as long as they keep the balance below 30%, the highest credit scores I've ever seen, they legitimately paid the credit, whatever they ran on that credit card up, they paid it off at the end of the month. Mm -hmm. Highest credit scores I've ever seen. Interesting. So you can think of it this way. Hey, I mean, I know everyone, I mean, I use my credit card for everything because mm -hmm. I want those, I want those bonus Gotta miles, get those points. <laughs> yeah, I gotta get the points. <laughs> um, but I mean, my goal, seriously, I, I know, hey, I can spend X amount a month and be able to pay this off every month. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's my goal. That's what I've done to set up for myself. Um, also with using a credit card, if you know, I know folks like to use their debit card, but if someone steals your credit card information, that's Capital One's money. Mm -hmm. That's not your money. If they get your debit card, that's your money. Right. So that's another thing to kind of protect yourself. Sure. Um, also, using the, 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 the credit card is going to help your credit score more. So um, that's the biggest thing. Uh, don't, and even if you don't want to use a credit card anymore, I would never close it. Mm -hmm. I would probably just, you know, cut up the card, trash it, whatever. But leave it open because some of these folks who have, have had a credit card since, you know, they're like, oh, I maxed this credit card out when I was in college and it ruined my score or whatever. But, you know, I never missed a payment, but I just maxed them out and, you know, never paid off the balances. If you've had that credit card for 10 years and you close that account, you just closed your longest trade line. That's going to hurt your credit score because mm -hmm. um, all of a sudden – I mean, that's that's what they've been using to determine, hey, this person, yeah, they might max it out, but they've never missed still a Still make pay payments. They still make payments. Yeah, yeah. They've never missed a, a bill, and you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, so that's the thing. It's 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 interesting. But yeah. they've rescored that. So it's changed in the past year or two. Interesting. Yeah, and I mean, you know, we all have our own different financial philosophies on what's right or what's wrong. I, I think you do what's right for you because, yes. you know, for me and my wife, we're very, very, very conservative, and so... You know, a lot of people like the idea of like a 25% or less part of your income going to mortgage and home warranties and everything else, you know, as part of your living expenses. And that even includes repairs and damages that are, you know, emergencies that have to become uh, or that come up, I should say. Um, but, you know, as a general statement, I, I mean, I don't take on a lot of debt. And I'm like you, I have a credit card that I use and pay off every month. Yeah mostly for business expenses and because I don't want some people to have access to my, to my debit card or my, you know, checking cards. Um, but we could obviously dig a lot deeper into that and maybe oh, we absolutely. will. Um, that may be, yeah. be a good episode just to, just to kind of hear your own philosophy on it. Because again, everyone's different. We're not saying that it's right or that it's wrong. Oh, it's yeah. just everyone's situation is different. Everyone's debt to income ratio is different. I mean, there's no, it's just like a house. There's no house that's exactly like the next house that you're going to see. Everyone's financial situation is a little bit different, and you have to. There's a lot of factors. That's why they call it personal finance. There's a lot that goes into it that you may never know, even as a mortgage guy, right? Yeah. Like you may not discover until after the fact that mommy and daddy were helping out, or or that they were going to help mom and dad buy a house. I mean, I've heard some crazy stories about kids getting loans for their parents and parents getting loans for their kids, and yeah. I mean, it can just get very convoluted, you yeah. know. That's the best thing. <laughs> so anyway, um, so this is part two. Uh, part three is coming up next. And, and that one, we're going to basically talk about everything leading up to closing, um, after closing, during closing, everything that you need to have kind of set, done, ready to go so that smooth, uh, it goes as smoothly as possible and, and becomes 
a nice easy transaction and relaxing for everyone, hopefully. So anyway, thank you guys so much for joining us on this episode, episode two in this mini series. Um, again, follow us on uh, Facebook and Instagram at Selling Sandy Springs, also on YouTube, Selling Sandy Springs. I'll leave Zach's info again down in the description and in the show notes here. So if you have any questions, you can shoot him an email, a text, a call, Carrier Pigeon, Facebook, <laughs> it's all there. But um, thank you guys so much for checking it out. And if you have ever, ever, ever have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out. We're happy to help. Thanks so much and have a great week. Bye-bye.